Hi guys, so welcome to Not Just RNA. My name is Pallavi, this is my co-host. Hi, this is Sanjana. Um, and we're both doing our doctorates at the University of Toronto. We're studying RNA. And so we decided to start this podcast to introduce RNA biology to the universe. Um, <laughs> yeah, a lot of aliens are really curious about what RNA is. <laughs> um, so to introduce today's topic, uh, over the course of the 2019 pandemic, which we're arguably still in, um, we've heard a lot about RNA, RNA-based vaccines, and a whole bunch of therapeutics and whatever. But what is RNA? Uh, some people have said that RNA can modify our DNA. Is that really true? Um, kind of, actually, <laughs> but not really. But we'll get into it. So what is RNA? To start with today's episode, um, we'll hopefully navigate through some of these questions and hopefully a few more. So today we have Bina Koterniak, who's our resident RNA expert. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Not sure if I can live up to this lofty title, but let's get into it. She's really well, I better try. <laughs> um, so RNA, to begin with, is very similar to DNA, but RNA is slightly different um, in its own respect. So it's very versatile, as opposed to DNA, which is a very rigid molecule and just kind of stays where it is and has a very specific goal, which is to really protect all of our genetic material um, in a very tight spot. And RNA really is an umbrella term for today's respect. We've seen that, um, I think we can name about 10 different RNA. Yeah, that's true. All those different (laughs) prefixes and then... Every letter of the alphabet. (laughs) Um, Maybe we can start by discussing the central dogma. Yeah, that's true. That would be a good thing. It's great. So the central dogma to biology is the idea that we have genetic material or Uh, the blueprint of how we create proteins in our DNA, that message is then carried by RNA. um, And then when that message is actually transcribed into RNA, it's called transcription, the process. Um, And then that mRNA is translated into protein and that process is called translation. So we're going from DNA to RNA to protein. So from DNA to RNA, it's called transcription. From RNA to protein, it's called translation. Yeah. And also, um, so a very... A simple example would be, uh, for example, we have a particular eye color. Let's say we have like blue eyes. So this is the protein. And what tells um, the cells to read the DNA or like what tells the cells to finally make a protein, which is of this color or the eye color would be blue. So that actually is stored in the blueprint of life, which is called the DNA. So all that information is present there. That's what genetic material means. And then this DNA is read as a script into RNA, which is finally translated in the, into the protein, which we see in the physical world. So that's how all this is happening. Yeah, yeah. and another, another aspect of RNA is that it's basically like the disposable rough draft yeah. of an idea that your cell has. So Not if fair. You're, yeah, <laughs> exactly. So if your DNA is, you know, the blueprint, as we called it, then... Uh, your RNA is basically just a little copy of that idea and your final product is your protein. So because of that concept, RNA can often be unstable, as Pallavi mentioned before, and it generally degrades very quickly uh, within our cell. And that's one of the things that has made it difficult to study um, and has perhaps made it a little bit less well studied than the other two um, Which we can attest to from personal experience. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, Yeah. 
breathing will display it. <laughs> <laughs> the wrong colored shirt. Um, so in general, scientists have agreed that early forms of life on Earth were actually RNA-based organisms. And so like this is called the RNA world hypothesis, where these organisms, instead of having a DNA or a solid structure to hold their genetic material, they had RNA to hold their genetic material. Um, and so from over time and these organisms adapting to life on Earth, they started modifying these RNA into a more stable structure that held their genetic material, which yeah. then became DNA. And there are also viruses in modern day yeah. whose genetic material is entirely RNA. Yeah, like the mm -hmm. famous <laughs> the famous pandemic. Mm -hmm. um, so structurally, RNA is actually really similar to DNA. So DNA, um, which is the picture I think that we all think of, it looks like a twisted ladder, um, which that structure is actually called double helix. And it's uh, shaped in this, it's designed in this specific structure for several reasons. And I think it's really interesting because the, the amount of DNA in your body or in your cells, sorry, is just like crazy amounts. I think if there's some predictions that if you took your DNA and un unwound it and laid it down flat on a table, it, it actually stretches like six feet long or something. Mm -hmm. But all of it has to be wound down and shaped into a condensed little ball that's like, I think it's estimated your, the, the space that your DNA occupies is estimated to be like a fraction of the size of a grain of sand. So... Uh. You yeah. take something that's six feet long and reducing it down to something that's that tiny. And so that structure, that double helix structure that's twisted, really is very useful for that. Because then you can untwist things and just use the fractions that you needed, but then twist it back really quickly. So it's not taking up too much space. That's such efficient ingenuity. <laughs> yeah. It's so beautiful. Yeah. It's like our entire identity condensed into this tiny, tiny yeah. particle uh -huh. and still has to be accessible yeah. by all these other proteins that have to use that DNA to define every part of our bodies and our minds and everything yeah. else. Yeah, because like some genes have to be turned on or turned off at very specific time points, either in development or in response to stimuli. And like if you cut yourself, stuff like that, specific genes have to be turned on to start the wound healing process. And so your DNA has to be unwound and then rewound very quickly. Um, and so that's, I think, like really cool. But RNA is just like DNA. But if you took the ladder and you cut it like halfway down each rung, that's what RNA looks like. Yeah. It's just like, um, so in a ladder, you have like two sides, right? Um, that's what DNA is. It has these two strands. But RNA is just like one of that strand. Also, one more reason why it's unstable. <laughs> right. Um, but RNA, in its own respect, can form like, complicated structures um, and each structure has its own purpose in the cell and plays like an important role in either cellular function or whatever um, so yeah RNA is really important that way like not only what's written within it is useful but also how it can modify itself into these structures is also ex extremely important and governs so many things that happen after the information moves from DNA to this step mm -hmm. so yeah so one really important reason why RNA is also less stable than DNA is that RNA has an extra hydroxyl group. So it actually, so a hydroxyl group is just an oxygen atom, and there's there's two there's two oxygen atoms in, a, in an RNA molecule versus one in your DNA. So this is actually really important because this is one big reason why DNA isn't uh, able to degrade as fast as RNA, and it actually stays as a as a complete structure in and of itself um, a lot longer than RNA does, right? Um, versus RNA degrades, and then you can remake it and, and vice versa, like super fast. Uh -huh. 
Maybe part of the reason why there's a general trend towards people being uneasy about a lot of RNA therapeutics or RNA vaccines, for example, is that very chemistry of RNA that makes it a little bit more difficult to understand than DNA. Like we ingest DNA all the time. Maybe we don't use it to modify our bodies and things, but like there's something about RNA that makes it like the unknown cousin and and it generally makes people a little bit uneasy about yeah. things. Yeah. Also, it's very similar to DNA, right? So what's not to say that it doesn't do something, right? So I think that's also another reason. I guess also in a lot of sci-fi movies, they use the word DNA, but no one yeah. really uses RNA. So no right. one really knows what RNA is. <laughs> <laughs> and it's really weird how these other things have, obviously, yeah. they, like the main things, but to us, like we are really... Um, close to RNA so for us that's the main star but still like other things have uh, stolen the limelight mm-hmm. but RNA is also like really crucial and just an example of how it's so crucial for us as human beings like we basically have the same genome size yeah. as many organ many other very simple organisms on this planet mm-hmm. like there are insects and like all these other very primitive species that have the same size DNA as we do but RNA is part of the thing that like sets us apart from all of these yeah. organisms is the complexity yeah. of how we change RNA is it, it defines how complex we end up being. Despite yeah. The size yeah. Of People used to think that the number of genes that you had in your DNA used to correlate with how complex of an organism you are, yeah. um, which has proven not to be true, right? Yeah. Like, there are organisms that have similar numbers of genes as we do. And they're yeah. even more, actually. And yeah. they're very uh-huh. primitive, right? Yeah, that's true. It's also like there's an, a sense of un, like you feel uncomfortable, right? When you compare yourself to like an insect that might yeah. have the same number of genes or it doesn't feel good. You're like, no, I am more intelligent. I should be different. Yeah, yeah um, that's true. So. And also there's this thing that, for example, if all of our cells have the same DNA, yeah. then why do we have all these different organs? I mean, whatever is lying at the bottom of it, at the foundation of it is DNA, but still the way it's being read um, and the different forms it's being read into, all that is actually governed by RNA. That's actually creating a difference, not only in the world, right. but also within us right. at a cellular level. That's actually a really good point. Cause like one of my friends who um, like works in business, I was talking to her at one point and she was like, completely astounded that all of our cells have the same DNA. She was like, really? And I was like, yeah, well, what did you think? Like DNA testing at like a crime site, why would that be effective if every organ had a different moment of DNA testing? Just the saliva. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, it's just, it's about like which pieces of your DNA are unwound and which pieces are being read, which genes are active and which genes are turned off, Um, which is like what creates what separates like your heart from your brain, from yeah. your intestines, right? It's such an intelligent system. School. Uh, teachers introduced DNA and then they introduced gene, but I couldn't imagine that. I used to think for a long amount, for a lot, lot of time that gene is different from DNA or there are certain parts which are present on DNA, like on top of it, and those are being expressed and then the stuff is happening. But actually genes are those regions on DNA which actually have all this useful information. So as Pallavi said initially that DNA is a really, really long uh, piece of um, information like it has a lot of things in it so 
entire like it's not always like it's not every part of dna every fraction of it consists all the useful information it's actually broken down into fragments so these fragments which are read into rna and then form part of a protein are called genes so these are the regions within dna with a function and with a purpose right yeah it's a good definition anything yeah. to and they have like a they have an obvious more or less start and stop yeah. yeah. So that, you know, whatever, uh, as Pallavi described, we have transcription first where RNA is made out of DNA. That RNA is bracketed by the start and stop yeah. bound uh, bordering those genes within our DNA. Yes, because there are so many proteins that are being synthesized. Yeah. That's why these uh, pieces of information are sort of scattered ar- uh, along DNA. Um, and proteins are basically originating from different fragments of these DNA. And we have some genes that are constantly on from the moment that we are created yeah. all the way up until the moment that we die. There are some genes that are barely ever on and, you know, become uh, turned off at some point or turned on at some point. Yeah. So, like, yeah. genes can have different import- levels of importance yeah. for, you know, different areas of our body. Yeah. How do you basically make RNA depends right. on a lot of things, right. on your developmental stage, mm-hmm. right. even on biological processes. and yeah. So which genes are turned off and which genes are turned off? This sort of, um, this sort of like dynamic expression and de-expression, so to speak, of genes is called the gene expression. Yeah. So the class of genes that are actively turned on, so to speak, so actively, actively being made into protein, um, play a critical role in whatever that organism or that cell is going through at that moment in time so whether it's a developmental period or maybe it's a response to the cold if you're shivering that's a specific type of of response from your cells if you're hot and you're sweating that's a different response and it's a different set of genes that are turned on um or if like you're a cell in the eye you don't want to be expressing the same genes that cells in the liver have to express because that would be completely different identity you have to maintain that distinction (laughs) (laughs) have to be unique Oh yeah. What's terrifying is if you've looked at like pictures of some tumors uh-huh. that have just gone haywire. Why are you looking at pictures? No, of no, no. <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember where I saw this picture. It was like in a textbook. Yeah, no. <laughs> your discretion. Um, but <laughs> some tumors, when they go crazy, they start expressing genes that should not be expressed in those yeah. t- like, tissues. So you'll get like kidney like, cancers or something that have like teeth growing in them now or oh, no. like liver cancers oh, have teeth that's new. it's like yeah no I know that horrible. yeah they have legit tumors that you can pull out and it Isn't looks that like that just like a twin that someone ate <laughs> 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 I hope not I, yeah yeah I don't know but that's like it's a little terrifying I mean that's why, why, go why crazy, is right? a tumor considered like such a an aberration in our body despite the fact that it's like our own cells that have become Mm -hmm. something crazy it's because our body functions because we define every cell every tissue in a very specific way and if they start behaving as not that then it just the whole thing becomes chaos right yeah that's what that's what a tumor it really is it's just like a chaos thing that's like unregulated yeah. yeah, and uncontrolled and has no real purpose within the body. Well, it's uncontrolled growth and then starts taking nutrients right. and yes. Yeah, there are just resources. so many things yeah. associated with cancer. Yeah. But yeah. Anyway, that's a later like 15 episodes we could do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
But for now, I think that's a good ex- example of gene expression. Yeah. Like, what can happen if this goes wrong? Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's so. always cancer. <laughs> yeah, mostly. <laughs> But I think that's one of the things that's like so relevant for all sort of biology podcasts today is that we're in this time in the world where so many things are happening that we don't mm-hmm. understand, yeah. whether it be pandemics, whether it be this like increase of cancer, like despite yeah. all the technology that we have, there are so many things that we just can't figure out yet, yeah. can't get under control. But there's and so many so, therapies yeah. too. There's yeah, so course. many new novel yeah. therapies that are coming, and it's, like, very different. There's There are actually researchers now looking at viruses that target specific cancer cells and don't harm regular cells. Yeah, but you know? most, of, ta- most yeah. of the times this information is just sort of kept from general public because yeah. there are so many scientific terms which yeah. they can't really wrap their heads around. So yeah. I guess what Bina is saying is actually true that now is the time when all of these things are happening so much. Like, they are affecting each and every one of us yeah Yeah. so now is the time that people really need to know what these scientific terms mean how things work and yeah yeah it's it's like a if that information is accessible to everybody you kind of feel a little bit more in control of the things that are happening around you all the time and uh we hope that this podcast will make a lot of those complicated terms that are generally inaccessible to people yeah. Yeah. a little bit clearer to understand and so that everybody can ask questions and know what's happening around them. Yeah. And that's how people will understand that vaccines don't insert chips into their bodies so that they can <laughs> yeah. be monitored. So that's why all this misinformation is also right. spreading and that's why this podcast or like many podcasts of this sort are uh, really window for a, for general public to look into science what yeah. is the truth behind all of yeah. this yeah it's hard to explain complicated I think scientific stories even for us because like yeah. when people ask me what I do in the lab it's hard for me to explain sometimes yeah but sometimes like I have a short like elevator pitch that I give people like oh I'm studying how genes are turned into proteins <laughs> it's kind of true it's not that yeah. it's not true but it's like not entirely true yeah you know um, so I think that's one thing that we'd also like to target. Hopefully we'll get into some more complex biology and having to start explaining that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, okay, so I guess that's it for maybe today's podcast and we'll just sign off. Yeah, um, we did it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so just, a, I guess, a conclusionary statement. Um, so given that RNA is like the engineer, right? If so DNA holds the blueprints for how to make proteins, RNA can be interpreted as the engineer who takes those blueprints, interprets it for um, the protein that needs to be made at that point, and then really takes that uh, message and creates the protein, right? So if um, so I guess some questions that we can ask in the future are what role does it play in our cells? What role does mRNA play? Um, can we harness this potential for future therapies? Um, the short answer is that RNA plays a critical role in everything from how we sleep to how we eat to how we breathe. Yeah. Um, and even plays a critical role through human development. Um, and so it's really important for us to understand the nuts and bolts of how it's working, what's regulating it, why are we regulating it? Um, and so if we can find figure out how these things work, we can go through and hopefully try and find therapies for things that are more complex, um, either genetic disorders or, um, you know, other ailments that people might have. Yeah. So, And people will also be able to embrace these therapies, you know, if yeah. they know what's really happening to them or what this therapy means, then, yeah. Yeah. So with that, signing off again, my name is Pallavi, my co-host. Sanjana. And our resident (laughs) RNA expert. Expert. (laughs) Bina, say your name loud and proud. Bina, thanks for listening, everybody. Yeah.
we're on social media, so find us on um, Instagram. Instagram. <laughs> we have a Facebook, not quite active, but we will get on that. We, did. we, did. <laughs> we have Halloween LinkedIn. And Tanjana will be practicing saying things at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> in the next episode.